everybody. Welcome back to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Pekulski. Today's guest may not be someone you've heard of before, but by the end of this podcast, you are going to absolutely love Bedros Koulian. Bedros has actually been on the show in the past. He's a former coach of mine and still to this day a very good friend. The reason I chose to have Bedros on the podcast again is not only because he's an incredibly successful entrepreneur, uh, an amazing dad, a great guy, but his ability to step into leadership in every different facet of his life is nothing short of remarkable. Um, Bedros has succeeded in every facet of his life, even coming from incredibly humble beginnings. Bedros often talks about his immigrant edge growing up in Armenia, a effective communist country, and his family fled there and came to the US. And Bedros has, has come from uh, a lot of challenges, we'll say, and he's learned to use those challenges as his fuel. And one of my greatest fascinations in life is finding people who do things at an incredibly high level and they're willing to, or they're able to overcome adversity. And my conversation with Bedros today is truly inspirational, regardless if you're in fitness or if you're in business or you're dad or a mom. Um, this is an incredible conversation with a guy who I still consider a mentor. I hired many years ago to actually coach and mentor me in business and uh, had incredible success with Pedro's method. We talk a little bit about his journey from entrepreneurial leadership, why he stepped down from his current company, which is making nine figures as a CEO to put someone else in his, in, in his place and ultimately allow him to pursue his passion um, and a whole number of other incredible things that are, you're really going to enjoy. Pedros is a true leader, a true gentleman, and someone who just succeeds in everything. And I believe where there's smoke, there's fire. I believe that success leaves clues. And if we engage with people that are succeeding in every facet of life, he didn't just get working once, he's doing it in everything. So uh, get a pen and paper, pay attention. Pedros Kulian is about to embark on an incredible mission of teaching us how to be great leaders. And just before we get started with the Pedros podcast, I want to tell you guys about our sponsor for today. Thank you so much to Organifi. Ganify green, red, gold, all incredible products to ultimately fuel your body, to nourish your body, to heal your body. Personally, I like Organifi green, just cover my bases. I don't always eat perfectly, right? I don't always eat three to four or five vegetables every single meal. And ultimately getting, you know, nine to 10 different types of vegetables every day is one of the most important things you can do to fuel your microbiome, to, to fuel cellular optimization. So Organifi gives you this broad spectrum of superfoods so that you're sure you're getting some fuel for the microbiome, you're getting fuel for the mitochondria, ultimately the alkalization you need to prevent ultimately acidification of the body or maybe demineralization of the body more accurately. Very important to make sure you're covering your bases. And not everyone always gets a chance to eat perfectly. So starting your day with Organifi Green in some ice cold water, I squeeze some lemon there. It's absolutely delicious. Uh, it goes really, really well to kick off my day. And you feel very, very energized. As far as Organifi Red, you guys have heard me talk about this a lot. Uh, I love Organifi Reds, either intro workout or sometimes pre-workout for me to really increase that nitric oxide production to improve the pumps. If this isn't something you're already taking, I highly suggest you head over to Organifi.com slash muscle and get hooked up with 20% off. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash muscle and get hooked up with 20% off. They're world-class, world-famous greens, reds, and gold. Check it out. Ladies and gents, enjoy the podcast. Baby's Core. Love to hear how the transition happened in your mind, maybe most importantly, from you know the growth of Fit Body Bootcamp to you making the decision to say, you know what, I'm going to step away from this. You making a decision to step into your, what I call your greatness, right? It's like you're stepping into that, that what used to be a um, a spark now is a burning flame that is, you know, ultimately lighting a lot of sparks around the world. And so you're, you're this guy who's walking around and creating better lives for thousands of people now, maybe millions of people. And so I'm going to walk through that, you know, that process in your mind of how that began, how you went from, you know, when we first met, you're, you're still crushing it, but you've definitely taken it to a whole new level. Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that. So, Ben, you've known me long enough to know that it's fair to say that I was playing small. When you're playing small and crushing it because everyone else around you is playing small, like it's not impressive. You know what I mean? Like on a peewee league team, the, the best kid 
is only impressive because everyone else is like just slightly below him, not because he's got any magical power. Take that kid to high school, you know, university and beyond pro leagues, and you see like how. And, and so I was playing small, and I was fortunate enough to understand business, but I always kind of stayed in the weeds and stayed in the trenches. I was always looking down and in instead of up and out. And leaders look up and out. And once I realized that around 2013, that I need to be able to embrace my leadership role, which means letting, learning to let go of the day-to-day and operating my business, Fit Body Bootcamp, our international fitness franchise. And, and I had all these ideas, like, like all of us. If you're an entrepreneur and you know this, you're an entrepreneur, you have like a million ideas where you would need three lifetimes to be able to bring them to fruition. And the reality is that unless you can clone yourself through a team, through a leadership team, um, you won't be able to scale and, sh- and structure that thing to its fullest uh, level. And so in 2013, I had this massive anxiety attack. Dude, I thought it was a heart attack, to be honest with you. And when I realized later that it was a anxiety attack, not a heart attack, and that I'm going to be fine, but clearly I was doing too much. I was the human bottleneck in my growing franchise. Uh, I was almost forced to explore another alternative in terms of who else can help me. And that's when I realized there's very competent people who know what my vision is, who are willing to get on board with my vision and be able to execute on a daily basis and keep me out of the weeds and allow me to be vision forward, operate, you know, two, three, five years ahead. And so 2013 to 2015 was a very pivotal time. I went from, I would say, being a marketer to an entrepreneur to a leader. And right around 2018, as my book came out, Man Up, there was another shift that took place where I went from knowing how to make money to all of a sudden I was making money because of who I am, not because of what I do. And there's very, there's a very powerful lesson there that I took a long time to learn. I'm 47 now. If I can go back, I teach my son that lesson. I'm like, son, you're going to make money because of what you do. And that's fine. You're going to develop a skill or a product or a service, but you want to get as quickly as possible in life to get to a place where you can make money because of who you are. Now, deals and opportunities come to me. I have equity in apparel company and other franchises and software all things that are within my wheelhouse that I have a massive list and exposure that I can promote. But it's because I was willing to let go of the reins, bring on some good leaders like Bryce and Aaron into my organization who freed me up to be forward looking. And I think that's been the big pivotal change. That's what allowed me to, as you say, live my greatness and be able to help men overcome their limiting beliefs, their the upper limiting that they were doing in terms of their growth and their faith and their and their fitness and their financial success and their family to stop sabotaging, to stop leaning on vices and addictions. Um, you know, it took me five years, man, to work through all that stuff with the therapist and to do a deep dive and realize that the sexual trauma that I had experienced as a young boy in Armenia being molested, um, I carried with me. It's easy for us men to compartmentalize and put away. But the reason I wouldn't let go of the reins in the first place in business is because, well, Ben, to be very frank with you, I trusted nobody. And when you don't have trust because you feel like people are going to use you and abuse you and hurt you, you kind of take it all on. And the stress of that was starting to erode my family. The stress of that was starting to erode my health. And so thank God for that massive anxiety attack and then my epiphany to realize that I'm either going to lose it all or I have to begin to replicate myself through others who are willing to lead my vision. And that was the big pivotal thing from 2013 to 2018, where I just kind of started hockey sticking in life. So, so what are the things you're teaching your son now to guide him on the fast path to becoming the dipped person who he's getting paid for who he is? So, so some of the things I'm teaching him is like, it's going to make sense for you to become first a technician, then an expert, and then an authority, and then a celebrity. In fact, with my coaching clients, I always draw a little triangle like this. And I say, look, the expert at the bottom, a technician at the bottom, like your, your medical doctor, your general practitioner, makes about 150000 a year. 
and then a specialist will make five hundred thousand a year. You know, a thoracic surgeon, a brain surgeon, uh, orthopedic surgeon, because they specialize in an area. And then if they write a book, they become an authority. And when you're an authority, now you're you're able to get endorsements. Uh, organizations are willing to give you equity in their companies or in their thing or service or product. And then, of course, if you can celebritize yourself. And way back then, you and I come from an era where you wanted to be a celebrity, you had to somehow end up on TV. And unless you know an agent and then know how to get on the TV networks, audition, you're screwed. Today, you can use this little device, man, and become a celebrity through Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. It is literally, you know, you've had this happen. You walk through an airport, you walk in somewhere, and it was like, holy crap, like that's Ben Pakulski. Oh my God, man, I watch you, I follow you, change my life. The same things you would say to someone on TV, you hear now in person because you were able to manufacture a celebrity status in a niche. The reality is we don't need to become, and I told my son this, I'm like, you don't need to become the rock where you're known by all everywhere you go. And therefore you can't enjoy a regular life on the streets. I can be anonymous anywhere I want to be. And as soon as I step on the stage in the spaces that I'm in, I'm a superstar. I'm a celebrity because I went from a technician to a specialist, to an authority after writing my book, to then creating a celebrity of myself using social media and building a mass following. And that really is the magical formula because when you have eyeballs that you can control, you can control the money. When you control the money, you can control the meaning. Like what meaning do you want to assign to your life? In my case, Shriner Children's Hospital, Toys for Tots, Compassion International. We help those organizations to the tune of seven figures a year, every year, because I'm very money driven so that I can donate to the meaningful causes that bring value to my life. Right. So let's say you have a 30 to 35 year old man right now who <clears throat> just finished his 20s. He's got, he's, he's experiencing some level of, of success, right? He's at the bottom. He's an expert or, or wherever you said was at the bottom there at the, yeah. of the bottom of the truck technician. Yeah. technician. And so he's, he's experiencing success. He's doing well. But he wants to take it to the next level. He's he's realizing that he's getting in his own way. He's realizing he's playing small. What what processes, what daily habits, what are your suggestions on like, all right, man, get out of your own way, stop playing small, step up? Yeah, that's a good question. Because if you're in that next you know, that technician role uh space at the bottom of that triangle, well, before you can level up, you have to get out of your own way. You nailed it. And to get out of your own way, you probably need to handle the baggage that you're carrying. You need to actually take out the stuff out of the box. Again, we guys are really good at compartmentalizing stuff. Take the stuff out of the box, look at it and say, what has this done to me? What kind of filters am I looking at life through? What kind of filters am I hearing life through? Yeah. Uh, filters of I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I'm, 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 I'm meant to fail. And they need to first start working on themselves in terms of healing through the trauma. And let me give you some stats just so it'll kind of hit home. One out of every three people have had either physical, mental, or emotional abuse in their life. One out of every four people have had some kind of sexual abuse, rape, or molestation. Both of those categories, the fight or flight part of your brain lights up in a CAT scan. When you're in fight or flight, you're anxious, you're stressed, you're overwhelmed, your reptilian mind begins to scan for threats instead of opportunities and abundances. And so that's the state that I was living in. And then we begin to literally, there's a great book called The Body Keeps the Score. I forget the author's name. Bissell Vendor or something. Bam. Thank you. Thank you. God, I love talking to you because you're so fucking squared away and intelligent and tuned in. And he talks about how men who have had sexual abuse, especially, some will grow up to get tatted up and use steroids and get really big and muscular with the attempt of I'm um, to protect my inner child. And I look at myself and I'm like, holy crap, he, he wrote a chapter on me. <laughs> Was he in my back seat? He wrote this chapter on me and I realized I hadn't healed from what happened to me, Ben. I had just simply created armor and we will create armor through either muscle or money or business or status, but that's temporary and it's going to sneak up and that box will open up. And as my therapist, Kevin said, he goes, it's like you're holding a beach ball at waist level in the pool, like underwater. 
Now, you can hold that beach ball for as long as you want, but sooner or later, you're going to get a little tickle on your nose or a little itch that you have to scratch. And when you do, that beach ball is going to pop out and that's your rage, your anger, your self-sabotage, or you can let the air out of that ball and process through the trauma so you can finally get out of your own way. Yeah, man. And that trauma also leads to trying to make the trauma um, feel less substantial, right? So if my brain's always lighting up, I'm looking for some way to make myself feel better, whether that be with sex or drugs or alcohol or food. It's some external ex- escape mechanism that, you know, so many of us have, uh, you know, obviously went down that path. And yeah. that seems to be another common way out is, is we're taught from a young age, these external coping strategies, right? You're, t- you're taught not to deal with your stuff, not to feel your emotions. Hey, let's go and look for some solution outside of ourselves. So yeah, yeah man, dude, you preach to the choir. We both did the same thing, right? I didn't experience quite the same way you did, but definitely like high levels of physical and mental abuse. And uh, yeah, it was just the armor. So I knew my dad wouldn't be able to beat me up anymore, beat up my, like, my mom, you know? So it was, yeah, definitely same thing, man. So thank you for uh, having the courage to share that. Thank you for yeah. sharing that with men. And uh, I think, man, leading a lot of men to just realizing that, well, so maybe let's, let's talk about what it did for you to release that. Maybe you can talk about how you did it and what it did for you you know, palpably in your life to let it go. Yeah. Well, so it was 2013 that I had that big anxiety attack. And truth be told, once I figured out it was an anxiety attack, not a heart attack, and I had another and another, I was like, all right, I don't like how this feels. And if anyone's listening to this, they've ever had a big panic attack or anxiety attack, like I've never had a heart attack, thank goodness, but I imagine that's what it might feel like. Um, And so I went to the doctor, Ben, and I'm like, hey, man, obviously I'm stressed out. I'm overwhelmed. I'm having these panic attacks and I was 38 and um at the time I'm 47 now and I go I and I need you to help me out how do I cope with this and he put me on Xanax right and look for the whole two weeks that I used it I didn't experience any anxiety attack didn't experience any panic attacks however I also had zero desire to be creative and work and really push myself so I went back and I said hey if I keep this up I'm just going to end up losing it all because I have no creativity to work. I can't do this. He goes, well, have you tried talk therapy? And while I was reluctant to work with the therapist, because like most guys, I was just as stupid. And I was like, that's for broken people. As though I'm not the king of broken people. Um, I went and I went because I wanted to make sure because my identity was still tied to money, still tied to my business. And that's an important thing. And so I didn't even go to fix myself, man, to help myself heal. I wanted to make sure that my business could still be successful. So if I could just stop the anxiety attacks and this feelings that I was getting, my business would continue to grow. So in four weeks, my therapist, Kevin, taught me halt when you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired. You're going to either have an anxiety attack or the drug addicted person will go back to the drugs. If you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, if you're an alcoholic, you go back to the bottle or prostitution or whatever your thing is. So control your halt, your hungry, your hunger, your anger, your loneliness, and your fatigue, your tiredness. All right, easy enough. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, next, he ta- teaches me, well, anxiety is anticipation of future pain. So who is it that you're not having this conversation with that you need to have a conversation with to clear the air? Because of that, you're anticipating this future pain, this fallout that's going to happen because of this unresolved issue that you have with someone. Well, I can think of 20 people off the top of my head, Kevin. So he's like, start having those conversations. Then the third thing he taught me was action alleviates anxiety. Like you feel anxious. Don't just sit there and dwell on it. Like go do something, either work out and put that energy out, uh, go have that uncomfortable conversation. And so literally within three, four sessions, man, I, I was like, dude, I got all the tools to not have anxiety anymore. Thank you, Kevin. On my way out of his office, he goes, Pedros, is there any other thing that you want to talk about? Like maybe your relationship with your parents growing up. And I'm like, Kevin, look, I come from a communist country. My parents are are, are, are former communist members. My dad kind of ran the house with an iron fist and he called it the five brothers. He would backhand us whenever we were out of line. Uh, but to be honest with you, what happened to me in Armenia was worse than the beatings my dad gave me. For some reason, Ben, I built enough trust with Kevin, my therapist, that within three to four weeks, that just came rolling out of my mouth. And it was the first time that I ever admitted to anybody that I had, had experienced something worse than beatings as a child. And uh, he goes, 
were you abused in a different way? And I couldn't even say yes. I just started to look out his window and nodded my head yes as I started to cry. And that led to the next 15 months of working with him one-on-one again on his couch every Monday, not to fix my therapy, not to fix my anxiety, but to learn to overcome the trauma of what had happened to me. And he identified three things, shame, rage, and confusion that I was dealing with. Shame. Like, I'm so embarrassed this happened to me. My friend Ben and Craig and Vince, none of these, no one can find out about what happened to me. I'm so embarrassed. Uh, rage. I can't believe this happened to me. How come no one protected me? Uh, whether it was my parents or the babushkas, the grandparents, and then the community that I lived in Armenia, they're very community-driven. Uh, man, they would whoop my ass if I went into their house and ate with dirty hands, yet I was being molested by two older boys, and why didn't they, right? So then there was that rage of no one looked out after me. And then the confusion, did I do something to provoke these older boys to molest me? Like, did, am I gay? Did I did I do something? And so this swirling around in your subconscious for years, as you grow up, as you make friends, as you build businesses, as you get married, like, dude, I was literally like a Fabergé egg waiting to crack and doing everything I could to protect myself, soothe myself, to, through food, through building businesses. Uh, I never leaned into alcohol or drugs. It's just never been my thing. But man, I could get addicted to food, Ben, just like drugs, just like alcohol, just like pornography. Uh, and it had just as negative of an impact on me, especially you know, how are you going to be 30 pounds overweight and be the head of a fitness franchise? Like talk about feeling like an imposter. And on the other side of those 15 months and working with Kevin, man, I kid you not. People were like, Vedras, did, did, did something change about you? You you look lighter, you look healthier, you look different. And Okay. Yeah. Look, I dropped a few pounds at that time. I hadn't lost the whole 30 pounds yet. What had changed was I wasn't carrying this weight of shame, rage, and confusion. And I think people could sense that energy off of me, man. And so that allowed me to break through the glass ceilings that I had set for myself. And when those glass ceilings were removed, it was just literally hire the leaders, share the vision, off to the races we go. And it was like taking a Ferrari and taking it off the, taking down the emergency brake and then putting it on the racetrack so that it could do what it's meant to do. I think a lot of leaders out there, man, and you may agree with this at some point in your life, um, are afraid to heal. They're afraid to lose their edge. Did you ever experience that? <laughs> did I experience it? Not only did I experience it, I told Kevin, I said, Kevin, I've got rage in my eyes, a chip on my shoulder, and the fire in my belly. I do not want to lose that. Just help me heal. And he laughed, and he goes, we can just keep the chip on your shoulder, Bedros. Uh, Kevin is a really nice older gentleman, no eyebrows, white hair, sticking up like Einstein. And at this point, we had built a deep enough relationship where he can call me out on my shit. But I didn't want to lose that edge. You nailed it. You're exactly right. And he said, we'll keep the chip on your shoulder, but we're going to get rid of the fire in your belly in terms of how you just attack everything in a way that is to shield and soothe. You know, I would use food to soothe my emotions at night. And then I would use being busy as an entrepreneur, speaking on stage, starting other businesses to shield myself from the reality of coping with what had happened to me. And shielding and soothing is a very horrible, awful way to deal with any kind of traumatic situation, whereas less or mental, emotional abuse. And so he, he called me out on that. Uh, but yeah, interestingly enough, about two years after being done working with Kevin, I was speaking at Joe Polish's um, annual Genius Network event. And Tony Robbins was up on stage and he was just finishing up and the audience was going bananas. And I was in the back of the room just like clapping because I'm just a big Tony Robbins fan. And then the guy mic'd me up and I was after Tony Robbins. And I was supposed to talk on how I scaled my Fit Body Bootcamp franchise into an international franchise uh, while being debt-free and self-funded. Uh, I'm one of the few franchises out there that we never took on. We never took on debt. We never took on private equity or capital, et cetera. And so I'm looking at the 350, 400 people in the audience and Dean Graciosi is there and, you know, all these big names. And my guys, I'm here to talk to you guys about how I scaled my business, but each and every single one of you have scaled your business 
and I have a lot to learn from you. Um, so rather than talking about how I scaled my business, Joe, do you mind if I talk about um, how I overcame the traumatic situation in my life that was limiting my ability to experience love and laughter and and healing and happiness? Uh, and then I just literally leaned into a whole new talk right from there. And uh, no short shortage of 15 guys especially came to me afterwards. And they were like, hey, man, one, I want to heal. But two, um, I don't want to lose my edge. And I'm like, you won't lose your edge. You can, you're, you're, you have the fire. You know how to harness the fire. But it doesn't have to be through anger. It could be through passion. And that's a very different type of fire. It still glows white hot. I think there's a there's a parallel there to be drawn with, you know, let's say guys who go off to war and, and do things that maybe they don't want to bring back with them. They uh, tend to, in the you know, in the past, they may have tended to want to deny it, right? They want to say, oh, I didn't do that, or I'm not that type of person anymore. And, you know, the the therapist will suggest that you, you acknowledge that you are that type of person. You did do that thing, and you just consciously choose not to. It's like wearing a tool belt, you know, like, and that's what I think you're, you're getting at, right? It's like, Man, that tool will never leave you. You're just learning how to harness it. You're learning how to yield it, right? And we, yeah, like you're just learning how to use it. You nailed it. Because outside of that, for me, everything was a nail because all I felt like I had was a hammer, mm. rage, and sheer will. And I would just get anything done. But at what cost? When all of a sudden you realize that that's just one of many tools that you have, almost like if your jacket, if you're a construction worker and your jacket was covering your tool belt. And the only thing that was sticking out was your hammer. And so you're like, all I have is one tool. So everything's got to be a nail. I just got to hammer everything. And then your jacket comes off and you're like, holy crap, I've got a real arsenal of tools for very different tasks. Uh, it was a very different experience. That, that was well said there. I'm curious how your relationships have changed, man, specifically your wife, your children, your your best friends, like being able to love your, love and accept yourself as the foundation of of you know, all happiness, mm -hmm. has it changed your relationships for the better or, or just different? Well, it did change it for the better. And here's why, as again, I just keep saying, Kevin, Kevin, you think like this guy, but he, he really impacted my life. Like I don't get any money to promote the man, but I should, I suppose. But he goes, he goes, you know what? He goes, you're a pretty intimidating person. You're a big dude. You're intimidating. And I wonder, cause I was complaining to him, Kevin, I walk in the house and the wife's walking on eggshells, the dog's walking on eggshells, Andrew and Chloe, the kids are walking on eggshells. Like I gave everybody this beautiful house, this amazing property, an amazing life. We've got a full-time housekeeper. We go everywhere we want. And I was walking on eggshells when I walk in at night. And then he started leaning back in his chair and he goes, you do realize you're a pretty big and intimidating person. I'm like, okay. He goes, and the way you just showed up right now was pretty intimidating. I'm like, okay. He goes, I imagine if you show up with your armor on, I would walk on eggshells too if I was related to you and your family lived down the same route. He goes, why don't we do a little exercise? It's, it's so stupid, Ben, but it works so well. God, it's so, this is how dumb I am and we are as men. We can be so good at whether it's building muscle, building money, uh, building bridges and, 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 and cities, but then we're just like so blind to what our ego has decided to create blind spots to. He goes, uh, describe your house to me, like when you pull in, where's your garage? I go, well, it's a long 65 yard driveway and it's a detached garage over here. And I park in the garage and I come out the side door. I walk across the pool deck to the two French doors uh, to the house. It's about you know 30 yards away. He goes, okay, got it. He goes, I want you to imagine as you walk out of that side door from the garage and you're walking across the pool deck, like you're a warrior a knight of some sort and your armored chest plate falls off and then your belt falls off with your sword and then you just take your helmet off and drop that. You drop off the metal sleeves and in walks in, not a warrior, but a dad who's smiling, who's happy to see his family and who's showing his underbelly. And instead of showing up like this, I'm like, fine, right? Well, driving home from Brea, Chino Hills, 25 minutes, I decided to do that because my sessions with him were every Monday at 6 p.m. So I would leave HQ, go to him, and then drive home. So I decided I'm going to do that. And I'm like, well, what would that dad show? How would he show up? Well, his walk would be different. He'd have a little bounce in his walk, and he'd bebop right in, and he'd have a little smile on his face because the armor and all that stuff that he was at war with is over there on the floor. Although it didn't work out so well the first 
second or third time. But after about a week or two, the family was like, you know what? This guy is showing up very differently. I kid you not, the dog started to come to me. The kids were running around the corner and hugging me. Di was craning her neck from the kitchen and like, hey, look what I made, your favorite mac and cheese. I'm like, holy crap, everything changed when the armor fell and dad walked in and not some retarded warrior. And that that touches my heart, buddy, because I know exactly what that's like. I, I grew <laughs> up um, very adversarial with my parents and every time I'd walk in the room, I would come in with, with the armor on, I would come in with my dagger out ready to attack, right? And when I finally went through some sessions to, to realize, hey, just come in and let the armor down, my relationship with my parents changed like that. Like literally in a, in a day when I made the decision to just like, yeah, I'm going to show up differently. I'm not going to expect them to show up differently. And man, there's so many lessons in that in empowerment for men, right? It's the idea of like, you are the creator of your destiny. You are the creator of your outcomes. And I'd love to have you walk us through like how you've taken these lessons now and turn yourself into a leader. Maybe first you could define your, uh, your definition of a leader, what that looks like, and then how you've been able to step into it in the last few years. Sure. My definition of a leader is, <clears throat> to me is very simple. Uh, an individual that's got a vision that's so big, so grand, and so impactful that he or she must recruit others who think, feel, and operate the same way in order to accomplish that. Like That's what a leader is, a, a very clear vision of what he or she wants, and then to recruit like-minded savages uh, to be able to work as a team to, there's a chip on my shoulder again, but to work as a team to, to, to execute that. Yep. And so a leader, therefore, must be great at communication, must show up as not a hypocrite. In other words, not just, hey, you guys show up on time, but I show up a few late, a few minutes late to meetings. You guys show up prepared, but I show up a little unprepared and therefore take a few extra minutes to get my notes together. So great communicator, uh, promise, uh, meet, keeps, makes a promise and keeps a promise, is able to be decisive, not always make the right decision, but be decisive, make a decision. And if you need to course correct, course correct. And then to be emotionally resilient and not reactive. Oftentimes we become very emotionally reactive as leaders. And when we are, we shut people down when we snap at them. But when we are resilient or we take a step back and then we respond instead of react, people are very open to that. So for me, a leader is that. Now, what was the second part of the question? Um, how you've managed to step into that. So like obviously defining it is important for you. So that That's sometimes the key that's missing for people is they don't actually know what it means to, to, to be it. Therefore, they're not able to step into it. But I'm curious what you've done in the last few years yeah. to really allow yourself to, to, you know, overcome the limitations you had previously to step into this leadership role. Yeah. So it's funny. So the way I define it is, okay, once you're, once you're a decent leader, because leadership is also like, you're never a 10. Levels. Right? There's a level to it. Exactly. 10 is like your work in progress. And I always say that sixes and sevens cannot lead eights and nines. And so you better become an eight, nine on your way to a 10 so you can lead higher level people. But once you have the higher level people who believe in your vision are on board with it, there's three things that need to do. Clarity of vision, vision, mission, and value. So what is the vision? What is a five-year, 10-year vision of, let's say, the project, the 75-hour men's personal development program that I started? The five-year vision of the project is that we have impacted 500 men, entrepreneurs, high performers who have dealt with trauma or limiting beliefs, but don't want to work with a therapist and want to come to us to be able to unearth that and then start doing the self-work or ultimately go work with a therapist or an expert. Yeah. All right, great. So if we know that 500 men over five years for that to happen, that's the mission or vision. What is the daily uh, mission? How many men do we have to sign up for the program for each class, six classes per month? For us to get to that, oh my gosh, we actually need nine classes per month at this rate. And so all of a sudden you realize the vision is the big overarching view. The mission is what is the day-to-day -day things that we need to do to get to the vision. And then the values, so mission, vision, mission, vision, values. The values are, do we all share the same core values? Like, can you be talking to Ray Cashcare or Steve or Matt or Aaron about the Modern Day Night Project and get the same answers and same passion and same vision? from from them or are they going to say no the vision is 800 men over the next seven years right uh so we got to be aligned in our values everyone needs to be in the boat rowing in the same direction 
And so I was able to do that. All of a sudden, when leadership steps up and you have great vision, mission, values, Fit Body Bootcamp is on pace. Trulian is on pace. Our supplement company, Modern AI Project, is on pace. And now we recently launched last year uh, the Squire program, which is a father and son 15-hour program. It's a rite of passage where you know moms do so good turning boy uh, babies into boys, uh, but it's up to the dad to turn boys into men. And so there's that rite of passage that must happen where that young man has a seat at the table and is being mentored by the dad and all the other men that that dad trusts. And again, those men who share his values. And because I'm able to share my vision for it, we know what the daily mission is to accomplish the vision and the people on board share my core values. We're on pace with that again. And so it's almost formulaic now versus having to muscle your way through success. Yeah. You know, Bader, so I actually study that a lot, right? The idea of turning boys into men. It seems like many of our men, quote, quote, quote unquote, uh, people over the age of 18 of, that are male well said. Um, are, are much less men than maybe we should be, right? And there's never been a rite of passage. There's never been uh, any type of definition, right? As I just spoke about, in order to become a leader, you first have to define a leader. And I think it's important for everyone to know you're not just fighting against ritual or the lack of ritual, right? You're actually fighting against a society that's trying to destabilize masculinity, a society that's trying to make us feminine, both physiologically, physiologically with our nutrition and with the chemicals, you know, and these and in as far as like culturally trying to make us less masculine. Man, it's a it's an uphill fight. Like I was literally researching this stuff over the last two and three days as I, I coach a group of men over 35. And a lot of this this fertility conversation is actually something that starts in the womb, right? It's actually starting with like the the consumption of certain foods and plastics and chemicals by the mother that actually demasculinizes the the male gender. There's a lot of stuff, man. It's a it's a, it's a big uphill battle to allow our next generation to not ultimately become destabilized. We'll say, man. So, man, I commend you because it's uh, it's not easy, man. It's not just a it's not just a one-time thing, right? It takes leaders. It takes having those hard conversations. It takes probably going to take standing up to some people that are trying to push back against you, man. So I love what you're doing, man. I love it. Thank you for that. And you're a thousand percent right. This isn't just, um, it's not a matter of, well, society has gotten so convenient and so complacent that men are getting fatter and less masculine. This, I, I do believe just like you, this is strategically planned because when the man like you is less masculine, he's easier to control. And if I want to take control over land or economy or resources, I'm not, with all due respect, worried about the women that are going to come and fight me. I'm worried about the men who are going to unify and attack me. But if I can soften them, literally, physically, mentally, emotionally, I've got a fighting chance. And so we must push back. And I think the pushback is is starting. Like you said, it is an uphill battle, Ben, but it is yeah. starting and I don't see it slowing down anytime soon. And it takes the women being on board, you know, man. I think like having women at home that are bought into like raising strong humans. And man, I want to raise a strong daughter. I want to raise a strong son. And like, I think it takes having the women being bought into um, you know, ultimately being adversarial to cultural norms, right? The the materialistic nature of of North America right now is like challenging, we'll say, right? It's and and not even materialistic, but um, conformist, we'll say, nature of of North America is like everybody needs to become destabilized. You know, everyone's pushing toward this um, uh, this decentralized, destabilized culture. It definitely takes a team, man, and I, I think you're very blessed to uh, have, not, I shouldn't say blessed, you're very uh, wise to have intentionally curated the people around you who are going to help you get there. And um, man, like you're doing awesome stuff and and many men out there should reach out and, and get in touch with you for the Modern Day Night program. And yeah, is there, is there anything else you want to say to that before we move on? No, you, you know, I got to tell you, that's that, that that's really it. It's, it's men have always searched out a brotherhood. There's a great book by Jack Donovan called The Way of Man amazing book and you know he breaks down how we operate as men it's very simple we want to be on a team or a unit or a platoon or a tribe or a community and then when we are 
We want to know that the other guy has strength, that he has honor, that he has courage, and that he has some kind of a technical skill in the absence of strength and honor and courage that I hope this guy knows how to make a bow and arrow or a trap. And then I'll do the strength and you do the courage. And and and, and we all must have honor in, in that, that we trust each other and have each other's back. That is just how we are, man. This is why gangs is, exist. This is why wars happen. This is why even in prison, they divide up into similar skin colors. It's it's this, the, okay, what do we have in common? I don't know what your ethos is, but you're black, I'm black, or you're white, I'm white. We're dividing up like that, and then we're going to figure it out from there. And so they've done a great job. When I say they, uh, I, I don't know if it's the government, if it's some big industry, pharma, they've done a really amazing job in tearing men apart and creating the word itself, the toxic masculinity. There is no such thing as toxic masculinity. There is toxic men who are passive aggressive men who will not say what they mean. They will not mean what they say. You cannot get them to keep their promise and you cannot really speak to their reputation. These are passive aggressive men. They are toxic. And then there's masculine men. Masculine men are savage servants. They mean what they say and they say what they are, they mean. And they they are preceded by their reputation. They understand it might take 20 years to build that reputation and only 20 minutes to ruin it. So they're very careful in how they manage that reputation and how they conduct themselves. But if you combine toxic masculinity, then you take a modern day knight, who someone who's chivalrous, who opens doors, who is willing to uh, give a woman uh, the inside of a sidewalk when they're walking or is willing to, on an up escalator, is willing to stand uh, in the on the bottom and on a down escalator to stand in the front, that is a chivalrous man who is now being slowly looked down upon because, well, gosh, I'm a woman, I could do it myself. I get it. And women want to be treated that way, but they are being conditioned that if you are treated that way, then you are being looked at as lesser. And so now they're like, oh, maybe I am. I, I like being treated that way, but I'm not a lesser. So you know what? I literally was driving through a parking lot a couple of years ago. There was this woman, older older woman, changing her car tire. And I pulled over and I was like, hey, ma'am, can I help you with that? And she says, no, I could do it myself. I said, I understand you could do it yourself, but believe it or not, I actually know a lot about cars and I could help you. And she goes, you know what? I would really appreciate it. And, and I think in that moment, she realized I wasn't saying it that, hey, you're a woman, therefore you can't do it. Right. You can't. The instructions are very simple. And you can go online and look at 20 YouTube videos. But I can get you out of that parking lot a lot sooner and safer before the sun goes down. And I think she got it and her tone changed. And those are the things that we as men must constantly lean into because if we go, well, I'm not going to ask open doors. I'm not going to ask if I can help. Then you are literally living the narrative that they want you to live. And this makes me think of a recent podcast Joe Rogan did. I don't know if you listened to one he did with James Lindsay. Mm -hmm. If you haven't, make time to do it because it's really really great to listen to it i did oh dude such such a good podcast talking about exactly this stuff and like i'd like to get james in the podcast definitely thinking about it. so one thing that comes to mind as you kind of rattle off all these um call it masculine traits or masculine uh habits is the word intentionality right so in order for me to um kind of step into all these traits that you're saying i need to become intentional about it and i because it's not subconscious or built into the culture, uh, a man who really wants to separate himself and, and truly become a leader amongst men it has to have a very high degree of self-awareness, very high degree of, uh, of intentionality. So I'm curious how you personally practice those habits on a day-to-day -day basis, and just making yourself more intentional and more aware. Well, you know, for me, like I said, the first domino that tipped over was working with Kevin, my therapist, starting uh, late 2013. You know, truth be told, I didn't go into it to become a better person. I went to go work with him because Xanax was making me numb and I wanted some other tool to help me cope with my stress and, and panic attacks. But in building a relationship with me, he helped me see my blind spots. He helped me realize where my limiting beliefs were and how my trauma uh, as a, from a young, being a young boy who was molested was literally directing my moves, thoughts, actions, behavior, narrative, et cetera. Well, so it, it, it starts there. But then in addition to that, 
once you realize, what do they call that? You, 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 we're all first unconscious incompetence, right? We don't right. Even know how incompetent we are. And the goal is to get to unconscious competence. Yep. Um, where, but somewhere there, there's that like, now I know how effed up I am, Ben, and I know how much more room there is for me to grow. And so I journal a lot, number one. Number two, I'm constantly asking for feedback from the people that I trust, look up to, or under, know that they have outside eyes on me in ways that I don't necessarily see. Because I might see a lot, but I don't see what's here and here. Like These are my blind spots. And, and Ed across from me here might be really good at seeing my blind spots. And I might be really good at seeing some of his blind spots. And so I ask for feedback. And whenever I do, I'll say, hey, Ed, um, like, like I said, I was going to ask Ed, hey, Ed, I will not take any hard feelings whatsoever, but I'm curious in your opinion on me as a leader. I would love honest and open feedback on that, please. And he might say, uh, wait a minute, man, are you sure? Are you going to fire me? No, I'm not going to fire you. at like honest and open feedback on my leadership, right? He might go, well, hey, man, you've been on edge lately. You, you've been, you've been you know, really demanding blah, blah, blah. Or he might say, hey, you know what? Here's areas you can improve. I can go journal about it now. Or I can go ask my wife, like, hey, do you think that? Or I can go ask another friend that I trust you. And now if I see that there's a common thread, what, again, going back to Kevin, Kevin calls a golden thread. There's always a golden thread or two running, weaving through your life. If Ed and Diana and Bryce constantly bring up this, hey, man, you're tense and you're on edge lately. Maybe I'm, on, I'm tense and I'm on edge. I'm either going to go, no, I'm not, or I'm going to go, you know what, guys, let, let, me, let me go and see if I can figure it out. And if I can't, can I ask for more feedback? But it's so hard for people to ask for feedback because it's going to hurt. And when it hurts, we typically go into defending it. Well, here's why I'm that way, man. Ed, you don't understand. I got this car here and I got this thing there and uh, the garage door is not working and then blah, blah, blah. It's like, look, man, I'm not asking for defense. I'm, I'm telling you, what you asked for, feedback on your leadership. But I think your leadership is short. Your leadership is is on edge. And that's all I was telling you. So are you willing to not defend and just listen? Uh, I wasn't, and now I am. It still hurts, but I realize it'll feel better later when I fix it. How do you lean into discipline every day, Bedros? Man, it, it's just a habit. Discipline to me is just a habit. Like you do something long enough, like, People are disciplined at very bad things. People are disciplined every night sitting down and eating peanut butter filled pretzels because they've done that for so long while watching their favorite show that they are so disciplined. They make sure they never run out. They know which bowl they're going to use. That bowl is always available. The, like, dude, you can be disciplined at bad things. Like, I know, I know a particular guy who went to jail for five years for printing money. He was very disciplined at printing money, uh, counterfeiting money. And he knew exactly how to do it and money launder it until he didn't and got caught. But the point of this is everything can become a habit. And we need to do things long enough where a soft habit becomes a fixed habit. And once it becomes a fixed habit, it is therefore, it has now become a discipline in your life. Like you have many disciplines in your life. And this just means you have many fixed habits. Those could be good or bad. Someone who's a chain smoker is a very disciplined smoker. It's not good for them, but they are very disciplined. You can't take that away from them. Love it, man. When's the next book coming out? Ah, shit. Um, so, so the reason Bryce took the CEO spot for Fit Body Bootcamp is so that I can kind of pull myself away from Fit Body Bootcamp. Um, I am feeling this gnawing of another book, and the book is to help fathers and sons in their in their in their journey into into manhood for that young young son. Um, I would say maybe it's two to three years out still. Um, it's still here. And I know that once I sit down to write, um, it'll take me a good, you know, 12 to, to 16 months to get it out there. And it's funny. I, I'm, um, share this video. Like I, I want to write a fitness book first, but I think my passion in life is similar to that. It's like, man, my, my greatest joy is with my children and learning how to connect with them and helping other dads connect with their kids. And uh, I think as soon as I, can get this fitness thing. I feel like I've got this this thing in my mind that I have to give to the world because it's this gift that I've been given. And if I don't share it, like no one will ever have it. So I'll get that book out first. And maybe it'll be a couple of books in a series. And then my next step is doing something what you do, man. So hopefully 
I'll be right there with you, uh, helping men and connect with their sons. Brother, we need more and more men just like you, man. So more power to you. And anything I can do to help and serve your audience and your tribe, count on it. Thanks, B. As soon as my son's old enough, I'll be out there for the Squire program. I love it. Cool, brother. Thank you. Um, you want to tell our audience where they can find more from you and uh, how to connect with you? Yeah, yeah. Easiest way to find me is on Instagram at Bedros Koulian. Um, And then if uh, they want a digital version of my book, Man Up, the Wall Street Journal bestseller, manup.com forward slash free. Are you giving it away free? The digital version, yes. The PDF. Oh. Yeah. That's awesome. And I've read that book. I actually have two copies, one of them signed by the man himself. And uh, I love it, man. I've actually given it to a number of people as well as a gift. Just a great, great, well-written book, man. You did an amazing job. So forward to the next one. That means a lot coming from you, Ben. Thank you. Thanks, brother. And that's a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for joining me here at the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. I am your host, Ben Bukowski. Interviewing Bedros Kulian was an absolute joy. Bedros is doing some really great things in this world. Yes, he's a successful entrepreneur with an over nine-figure business. I believe he's got 700 different franchise locations now or more. And his goal is 1,000. And as well as now with this Modern Day Night program, which I'm super excited to participate in myself. Bedros is truly doing great things in the world. Thank you, Bedros, for being here. Thank you for teaching us your wisdom. And thank you to our sponsors for today, Organifi. Organifi Organifi.com to get hooked up with 20% off, which is absolutely incredibly generous. Um, So head over to Organifi.com slash muscle. You can also take advantage of our other sponsor today, Bioptimizer. Bioptimizer hooking you guys up with some incredible products. The two that I always literally don't leave my house without is Mag Breakthrough and Mass Symes. So if I'm eating any amount of animal protein, uh, now I'm taking at least two Mass Symes with every meal. And oftentimes I'll take up to 10 between meals. And that's a different trick for you guys. If you're not familiar with taking enzymes between meals, they can actually be very anti-inflammatory. Now I don't suggest you take 10 like I do because that can cause some really big stomach upset. Um, I know some people that can take one or two and still get a little stomach upset. So if you have any um, digestive issues, you may want already inflammation in your gut, you may not want to take that many. Maybe just start with one between meals and see how well it decreases your inflammation. I know for me, it's been massive. So ladies and gents, thank you very much for being here. Thank you always for tuning into the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. Thank you for leaving us a, a review if you so choose. We would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear about your feedback. I'd love to hear who you want to hear on the podcast. What you love, what you didn't love. If I got something wrong, if I said something incorrect, I'd love to hear from you. And as always, please subscribe to the podcast. Subscriptions are ultimately what drives this podcast uh, to allow us to get the best guests in the world here to support your greatness. And without further ado from me, ladies and gents, thank you very much for being here. Thank you so much for tuning into Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Bikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest and products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.